0: Then Wanji Wanji, Wak Wak woy woy Jin Jin, Bet Bet, Kin Kin, kilkoi. It's really twice the program on Sunday
1: Australia can't get up in the morning without having a cup of coffee Many open and many shut as well It's not an easy business It's hard to make money out of a $4 cup of coffee and a $2.50 Turkish with Vegemite on it Not at current wage levels and costs and rents and all those things
2: The coffee shop is a people business isn't it? There's an old Chinese saying which says woman or stroke man who does not smile should
1: not open shop it's pretty true isn't it there's another old chinese saying that says when business is bad paint the counter um <laughs> all food restaurants coffee shops whatever is entertainment in fact and you have to provide a good basic product but you also have to welcome people in
3: hi Macca, this is robin look I bought a new car last September and one of the things I complained about was exactly that. Now we bought the car home, three days later we got a call from the dealer and they said... We've got a surprise for you. And I said, what's that? Open your glove box and guess what was in the glove box? A CD player which you would never know was there, secretly hidden.
0: And
3: I'm surprised to hear that all these other brands don't have them either, but maybe people haven't discovered them
4: yet.
5: A witchtail tale soars the Nicaba range. The weather's harsh, not much change. And all around there's drought, the Red Marauder. In Cooktown, Narragin and Breeza, from Deloraine to Ebenezer, they're dialling up Australia on a Sunday morning. I start my week with Macca
4: on a Sunday morning.
2: Good morning. Out of the mouths of babes. That was Alec talking about coffee uh, last week. Um, When business is bad, paint the the counter. Applies to everything. Applies to politics. That's what they do in politics, don't they? When business is bad, they paint the counter. Exactly. And what about Rob last week about the the cedar? She found us three days later, they rang. Oh, guess what? We've got a surprise for you. And she said, finally there, she said, maybe people... They probably have got cedars, but just maybe people haven't discovered them yet. <laughs> Isn't that true? There might be one in the boot or the engine. I mean, that was the bloke, obviously, didn't know what he was selling, didn't know what was in the car. I just, uh, the scenario was, uh, oh, that Mrs. Uh, uh, Mrs. Smith, she uh, she was ropeable. There was no cedar in the car. And the boss looked at him and said, uh, what do you mean there's no There's one in the glove box. Didn't you tell her that? Oh, is there? Oh, I didn't know that. He's only selling them. So he rings her back up and said, oh, guess what, Rob? Um, there's a CD in your glove box. Uh, be thankful. There you go. Good morning and welcome wherever you are around Australia. Lots of things this morning. G'day, this is Macca.
6: Yeah, Macca. Bob speaking, how are you? Good, thanks, Bob. Uh, you, I just left are talking about the hay. How you running that? At the moment, I've just come back from unloading hay up near Tamworth.
2: Uh-huh. 1680 kilometres, the
6: trip, one way. Wow, Bobby, wh- where are you now? Uh, south of Pilliger, heading back to Ningan, going back through the Cunamble and home
2: to Ningan. And where did you get the. You've you been uh, taking hay from where to where? South
6: Australia, up from over in South Australia up to uh, south of Tamworth, uh, at the, in behind Nundle,
2: up at Nundle there. Gee, that's a big run, Bobby.
6: At the long run, yeah, that's how desperate they are. Like, that's a phenomenal cost for a load to get it there,
2: but that's where they got to go
6: to get it. Yeah. And, and I'm not the only one. Look the trucks are touching one another coming out of there. At the moment, there's just hay truck coming up
2: there one after another. I know, I've seen them. I've been on the road, they're down Victoria too, and uh, as you go through New South Wales, you can see uh, cattle eating hay and they've been spread out and grain and all sorts of stuff. Bobby?
6: Yeah, well, you've got to go through... You've got to go to uh, with a road train, we're road training for 1545 kilometres and then you get up to Canada and split up
2: there and then you've got to take each trail of another 130 and thirty-yard case back up and unload that one
6: then go back and hook your other one up and take it in, so it's a big job. I'll say, Bobby, you do, this is your gig, this is what you do all the time? Oh, I can't wheat and cotton and grapes. I
2: uh-huh. can't do all the time, but they just said, oh, desperate for trucks, and I've got the gear to do it, so I'll hook in and do that for a while if I can help. No, good on you, Bobby. Um, yeah,
6: what's life on the road like, mate? Oh, it's pretty good, mate. They're pretty good roads. Pretty good roads, pretty good bunch of people. will be all right if we got left alone to do our job a bit, but we're not, I'm not getting harassed too much at the moment. Got I, think it. They, I think they realise, back that, you know, people are in trouble. They're, they're giving us a bit of a go.
2: Good on you, Bob. Nice to talk to you, mate. I got
6: a mate, I got a friend up at Mergen, mate, who has been listening to you religiously for thirty odd years, to my knowledge.
2: What's his name? Her name?
6: Heather Atkinson. Heather? Yeah,
2: up at Mergen. Alright, good day, Heather. And and thanks, Bob. Nice to talk to you, mate. Good luck, I'll bump you some where do you live? You live in England, do you?
6: Uh, I live at Kulabar, northern
2: England. Oh yeah, no Killabar, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
6: not much there nowhere to that here. I mean,
2: half a anyway, that's all. That's
6: went, up. <laughs> went
2: off there. Good on you, Bobby. Good on you, mate. I'll see you see on See you. you, mate.
0: G'day, Macker, It's David. How are you? Good, thanks, Dave. That's good. I'm just heading off to Clifton Gardens to do a uh, clean-up debris in the uh, Sydney Harbour this morning. So I'm going to be scuba diving for about an hour, hour and a half, and uh, seeing what we find. Um, what so what'll you find, Dave? Um... When we first started the cleanup earlier this year, a lot of fishing line, but uh, the amount of plastic in our oceans is absolutely incredible, and we get everything from straws to plastic containers, plates, utensils, you name it, we, we find it. Um, the most disappointing dive I did is uh, someone just emptied their barbecue off the end of the wharf and uh, just left all the heat beads on the bottom of the ocean. It's absolutely atrocious.
2: Yeah, there's there's something, what it is, Dave, and and you can't, I'm amazed at Clean Up Australia, you know, when yep. that happens for how long, Ian Keenan, you know, yep. 30 years or something it has been going. Yep. And every every year there's just heaps of garbage. I mean, what goes on? And then you'll find people who, who illegally dump things like asbestos. And, uh, yes,
0: that's right. They, they
2: don't seem, uh, there's some people who don't seem to have any community that they don't realise we live in a community, and but they don't care, see? And I suppose that's the sort of life you can live. You, you can live a life where you, you, you can do what you want and you don't care because there are no... Um, no sanctions you know um, I, but I, but i'm not i 'm not, not great for more rules because you usually find that somebody does something then they, immediately there becomes a law because one or two people have done it there's a law that affects everybody, but most people realize that uh, you shouldn't do those sorts of things, Dave, and dump stuff, but i don't know yep. Uh, yep. Uh, yep. people when you're driving around uh, they drive around Australia and they say "Oh Macca, look it's terrible here there's rubbish and toilet stuff, and i yep. don't know you just got to suspect that there's five or ten percent who haven't got a clue and they're just you know no yeah. um and and you just got to do it you just got to pick it up yourself
0: yeah that's right and uh this is a 12-month project so when we first started we had a big bird's nest of fishing line uh we're not expecting to see too much today this is dive number six for the year and uh even though it's a winter's morning the water temperature will be about 20 degrees thereabouts um and uh, we'll enjoy the dive and Take oh. photos and have a look at the marine life at the same time. So it's a really, really interesting world down there.
2: Dave, do you see seahorses?
0: Yes, uh, many sites around Sydney have got sea- <coughs> Excuse me, have got seahorses. Um, Lily Pilly. Uh, we might even see some on the netting at Clifton Gardens. But uh, yeah, we see seahorses. Um, They're amazing clif-
2: things, aren't they? I, I mean, I've never seen one in the water, but I've seen pictures of them. They just yes. look wonderful things.
0: Yep, they are beautiful things, and uh, I must like to see our favourite um, moray eel and possibly some octopus there this morning.
2: There you go.
1: Yeah, wow. beautiful.
2: Well, Dave, that sounds like a, a great way to work. You just do the do that in the weekends, do you? Or, or, or... Yes,
7: yes,
0: yes. Uh, I've dived all around Sydney, dived around the world, and up on the Great Barrier Reef, so no, it's a good good pastime.
2: Send us a photo of a seahorse if you find one. I will. <laughs> all right, Dave, good <laughs> Good on you, mate. Nice to talk to you.
0: Thanks, Macca.
2: Bye. Come and meet these people. Graham Cockrell. Yeah. And Adam.
0: Meek. From Need to Feed.
2: No, uh, need, feed need for Feed. Need for Feed. Sorry. Yeah, that's it. You've been down here uh, with the, for the farmers? Yeah.
0: We've had a pretty rough year last year. with We got hit by a frost in November, so a lot of farmers cut their crops, so there's plenty of hay in the sheds. Um, I've got a stockpile that's almost empty now at Mina Park, which is our fodder depot, and We had close to 300 bales in there that's all been delivered down this way as part of our convoy. so there's plenty of hay out there. You've just got to know where to look to find it. Adam,
2: how did Need to Feed start? Uh, It started with Graham 12 years ago.
1: Tell me. I gave away one truckload of hay for some farmers in East Gippsland that were struggling from the drought and then hit by bushfires. Felt sorry for the poor buggers burnt out just about right on Christmas time Just had our, I'm on a hobby farm at Upper Beaconsfield, out the other side of Melbourne and we still had some hay in the shed from the previous year and we had hay cut and I loaded up on the truck and took them down a load of hay. Got down there and realised, and they helped me unload it, realised it was um, worked out to five small squares for each farmer just in the one town, so I wasn't going to big deal for me but it wasn't going to go far so came back to do something about it and the more people I talked to the more people wanted to help and 12 years later we're delivering it by the multiple semi loads, B double loads.
2: People helping one another is just the way to go. It's quite amazing isn't it and it's a wonderful thing. Well it
0: is, well we're all basically aiming for the same goal at the end of the day is just to help the people that need it. Well that's where we come in, there's a bushfire, there's a flood, well we're there, we like to think that we're first on the ground and the last few fires that I've been involved with, I've had a truckload, at least one, on the fire ground either that day or early the following morning. And just one phone call to my next door neighbours is usually what it takes.
2: So, what do you blokes do when you, you know, for hobbies? What do you do in your spare time?
1: In spare time, I've got, a, I've got a business that I'm supposed to be at every now and then. Doing what? <laughs> uh, fixing cars. For other people <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what about you Adam I'm a farmer.
2: Mm-hmm. Keep up the good work that's all I can say I know yeah, it's going to be needed. good to
1: see you Danny macker oh it's a pleasure you pleasure. know you know there's lots of other ways that people can help and, and a lot of it's just the farmers knowing that somebody cares about them but we um we have other groups organize like care packs like for males and females, and even one lot's even doing it for you know teenage girls. Food hampers, all, all that sort of thing, and even dog food. Every farm has dogs, several. So each hay run, we take all that sort of stuff with us as well. So there is lots of other ways that people can help. Don't have, don't have to be able to just drive a truck or pick up hay.
7: <laughs> <hey? Yeah.
2: laughs> nice to talk to you both. Good on you, and keep up the good work. Yeah, good Thanks. to see you down here. Thanks, Macca. Good on you. Hello, yeah. It's, uh, how are you going?
7: Good, good. It's Jeff here, Ian. Oh,
2: yes, Jeff, how are you?
7: Good, things. So you talked about snow a minute ago. I uh, heard a local saying uh, last week that we might get some good snow, and also we're expecting drought conditions, but if you look in, say, photographs in the Alpine Hotel in Cooma, you'll see very deep snow in the war years down the main street of Cooma, and the war years were very big drought years, so if that goes together, we could get some pretty good snow.
2: Wow, there you go, Jeff. That's interesting, isn't it?
7: It is, isn't it? Really is
2: wonderful photographs. Yeah, well, we ought to we ought to come down to Cooma. I, I've always wanted to do a program in the snow, but I reckon our gear would freeze. I'll have to talk to John, our
7: technical <laughs> producer. But
2: but I don't I don't know if if it, if it would work in the in the, in you it's know. It's when, you,
7: you do it by a
2: log fire, looking out the window. <laughs> Not the same, Jeff. But no, I've always wanted to do one in the snow. Not so much in the snow, but. Even, uh, yeah, maybe in the foyer of a hotel there or something and just uh, wander out in the snow with me snow
7: boots oh, on. Oh, yeah. Some. Yeah, no, I've given up the Cooma in the, in the night time, you yeah, know, and the church bells ringing and the moon on the snow. And oh, dear It's oh, just dear. Uh, fantastic.
2: Oh, it is. So you reckon, or you, this bloke reckons, that um, um, drought years yeah. and snow go together.
7: Yeah, well, he, no, he, I I reckon that, he's a prominent uh, bloke, he knows he's a fisherman, he knows what happens pretty well, Mm. he's predicting we could get some pretty good snow, but I've known for many, I've wondered for many years why we had such good snow in the war years, which are shown in these photographs, and I also know the war years were great drought years, because I first saw Lake George in 1950 when I was a 14 year old, and, uh, it had been dry since the war years, and know, uh, it, yeah, so it's been. There it was a tremendous drought then, but it was also the best snow you'd ever see. Wow! Strange, so but but we could get it, so we may see you here.
2: Well, well, I'd like to come down anyway because I I love Cooma and and um, there's always interesting people to talk to, Jeff. So yeah, we'll watch out for that. But I'll have to just. Um, I'll have to have a, a place ready, and if it starts snowing on a Thursday, I'll just hop in the car and get down there, put the chains on, and yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. lob somewhere. But, yeah, I've always thought yeah, about right. And then my technical uh, bloke who was at uh, Pete and uh, Eddie said, oh, look, if it gets too cold, everything will freeze up. Your CD players won't <laughs> work, and, you know, apart from me, won't work. But, um, yeah, it'd be interesting. Jeff. let's uh, make it a bit of a plan. And,
7: and well, I like... Yeah, well, certainly, I'll let you know what's developing, and... All right, uh, and, it's, uh, and snow, uh, it's really
2: nice when you see a big fall of snow, isn't it, because it's oh. reassuring and it's and sort of exciting um, because, oh, yeah, a, a, yeah. As, 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 as I said when I read that bit out, of, or they said in the weather book, um, it's not a usual occurrence in Australia in terms of it's a warmer country, so we don't have permanent um, yeah. snow fields and stuff. So when the snow falls and you see the wide-eyed wonder in little kids' faces and, oh, it's just fantastic.
7: But I, I was building up in Perisher in 1981 now, on the 1st of April, we got uh, 300 mil of snow and couldn't find any, any of the gear. The ground it was all covered and unexpected. But before that season was over, the snow was 3.6 metres high. and That's pretty deep, isn't it?
2: I'll say, I'll say. All right, good on you, Jeff. Okay. Stay in any touch. Connected? Sure, bye. Bye. I've just been down to the Blazad camps at uh, Cobden. And Tarang, I met these blokes, come and uh, and meet. I met a lot of people. It was a lovely time. We had a barbecue. Um, reminded me of being on the G'day tour, where everywhere you went, every night there was a barbecue. So I had, on the G'day tour, I think we had 37 sausage sandwiches uh, in a row. Every, every night we had sausage sandwiches. Come and meet Phil and John. Your name is? Uh, Philip Grummett. And? John McConnell. You boys got out. you got out, yeah, John? I,
5: I bit lost about 150 acres of farm, yeah, not mm. all of it. Yeah, yeah. So. Mainly the back of it, which was good. The house and everything was still there, so that was good, yeah. And what about you, Phil? Uh, We had about 420 acres and we lost about 380, probably 80 to 90% of the fences. lost 60 head, 300 rolls of hay, a lot of rebuilding to be done there. The Terrain community is so tight-knit. We all know each other very well and we've all bonded together so well. All the Rotary Clubs and CFA and everything, we all sort of know each other. So that's why we've sort of really communicated so well and got together and helped each other.
2: Were you always going to be a farmer Phil? Is that how it started? How did life start for you?
5: Uh, uh, Well uh, my father's a dairy farmer of course he's 77, still milks cows now and again, just going on to the next generation I suppose.
2: The price of milk's not real great at the moment is it?
5: It's not too bad I mean you can live on it there's no real biscuit at the end of the barrel if you know what I mean. But you know you can you, you can live on it, but there 's no real profit no yeah. you 're doing it f- for the love of it more or less yeah. you know just the love of the land, the love of your cows because that 's the most important thing is is well your family, but the second thing, I suppose be your cows you know you, a dairy farmer can 't go without cows he just he loves his black and whites or his browns or whatever color he has you know. <laughs> get up early in the morning, milk the cows, and you've just got to see that sunrise every morning, macker You know, it's just, you know, you can't miss it every morning. You know, I look out at my dairy and it's just this big red glow every morning, milking the cows, you know. Everyone sleeps in. What's a sunrise? I've never seen one. You know, us farmers, we see sunrise seven days of the week, and there's no better way to live.
2: Johnny, what about you?
5: Um, well, I'm sort of uh, a little bit older than Philip, but... Uh, Look I still try and make myself active on the farm. Uh, Ian you talked about renewal. Um, We got cleaned up in 1983 and uh, we rebuilt afterwards and to anyone who's a bit down and out look um, you will look back on it one day and it'll be an unpleasant dream but uh, there is a future there and if you hang in there long enough, you get burned out again about 35 years later. So I hope it doesn't happen to you, Philip. But one thing, when I die, I'm not going to get cremated, I'm sure of that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: good on you, John. Philip, nice to talk yeah, to good you. good on you. Thanks, Macca. Good, good on you, mate. Thank you. G'day, this is Macca. Hello. Yeah, g'day.
3: Yeah, hi, it's Rosemary. Hi, Rosemary. I'm uh, driving. I, I come from a little town, Mobile. I think you were up there last year after the floods, Mobile Burring Bar that got smashed so badly.
2: Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yep.
3: Yeah, so I, um, I'm i heading down to dinner Plain, down at Mount Hoffman. Oh, I, wow. I, I head down to teach for four months down there. So. It's interesting, you've had so many people ring in this morning, they all head north for the warm weather and I'm heading... And you're
2: heading south. And I'm
3: heading south, the cold.
2: Now, when you say you're heading to dinner plane, you're obviously a skier, you're, doing, you're not doing this for, for for love. There's an ulterior motive, Rosemary, you're a skier. Uh,
3: there, there's two, yeah, I am a teacher, I'm, an ex- I'm a chalky, so um, the school there, it's an amazing setup. It's and the primary school, is 80 kids. It's only set up for the snow season, for all the workers that come up and all their kids. So we will actually set the stool up next weekend, on the long weekend, um, and then we close it all down come the end of third term.
2: Wow. What a lovely thing to do, Rosemary. You've been doing this for a while?
3: Uh, this will be my fourth year to do it,
2: yeah. Wow. And so these kids are from all over, I suppose, are they? they- or-
3: They are from all over because, um, if you know Mount Hotham, after the snow season, it it really closes down. Yeah. Um, And so, of course, they have to bring all those businesses and all that infrastructure comes up to set up for the snow season. So, yeah, some of these these families are um, Victorian, South Australian, Queensland, and this is their gig that they do, um, their businesses. So, of course, they've now gone on to have families and kids, so um, we need to teach them. And it is a department school, the, the Victorian department. It's um, a, a school. I was just in the right place at the right time to hear about the job, because you wouldn't even know a job like this exists. So.
2: No. Where, where are you from, Rosemary? Where's home?
3: It's uh, so a mobile home for me.
2: Uh-huh.
3: Yeah. Um, and, like, you've just had a, an ex-chalky talking, and, and teaching has taken me to some great places. I've taught in Japan. I, I've... Um, I've taught in Thailand. I've taught in country regions here in Australia, in the city, in Brisbane, and and now I've got this great gig down at the snow.
2: A so. great experience, isn't it, to get around and meet people? I mean, I want to go to Japan. I've never been to Japan, and but I'd like to go to Japan. Um, so, how did you? How did you? Well, you were you teaching English there? I suppose were you? You, you were? Yeah,
3: I, I went to Japan '88, '89. I just saw an ad in the paper, and I was in a bit of a a, a bit of a no no going anywhere in, in um, Sydney. Uh, I'd had a relationship that just broke down and it, always when that happens you want to take off and so I took off to Japan <laughs> and taught there for 12 months. So, as um, you do,
2: yeah. As
3: exactly. you do. And you go, wow, thanks so much for walking out of my life. Look what I did. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately now, this year, I mean, I'm leaving my husband at home so it's all a bit... It, 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 he used to work away, so the other years I used to come, it didn't really matter because he was, wasn't home so much, but now he's at home and I'm heading away, but anyway.
2: Well, no, uh, if I get the chance, I'll come down to see you at Dinner Plane in the next four months.
3: In Dinner Plane, that would be great, yes. Yep. We would love to see you down there. It's uh, a great experience, it oh, really is, I'll say up in the snow line. Hey, Macca, one other thing I wanted to say when I've been listening, and you talk about sense of community and, yeah. and how, you know, we, we, like last year after the flood up in the Tweed, it was amazing how everyone just came out and helped. And, yeah. And the other thing, just the other week um, in Burringba, I'm the organiser for the biggest morning tea in Burringbar. It's been running for 20 years. Right. I only took it over after the original lady, she sadly passed away from cancer. And we raised $6,000 the other morning oh, because wow. we we wanted to hit, for 20 years, we wanted to hit 40000 that we had raised. And the community got behind us so well and we topped 41 we're sitting on. So, you know, it is that sense of community and people coming together. And you do, as you said, get maybe 5% that just don't seem to get it. But they're only a minority that don't seem to get yeah. the whole community feel. Um, yeah, and, and look, a little town of Baring Bar, of about 800 people. To raise six thousand
2: in the morning, too, I thought was a fantastic effort. Yeah, I'll say, I'll say, and I, I get to talk to a lot of people, and and like at blaze aid camps and whatever, and people who are helping yeah. others. There's some, but there's something you talk about this whenever I get together with volunteers and you know locals who've been burnt or flooded or whatever. There's something it's bizarre about life, isn't it? That we you really need bad times, and it's terrible to have bad times, and people can die in fires and floods and but there's but they really if you
3: come together and support and, each other
2: and if you don't have that if you don't have that part of life the other part won't work so that, that's that's, true. that's but and but the, the best part of life is that is that helping one another and getting together and I, I, you just see it in spades all the time when there are people they're happily they're just happily cooking and I'm just giving back to you know this lady said to me she said I'm just giving back Macca she said my my house my business was burnt down this is in a little country town you can imagine uh, having a business in a small country town she said my business was arsoned uh was deliberately burnt down and she said we went through 10 years of hell she said but I'm just here helping the and I because I want to give back because the community were really good to me 10 15 years ago and now I'm just giving back so there's it's uh uplifting Rosie
3: Yep, it certainly is, and you've got my number, so I would look forward to seeing you at Dinner Plane. That'd be uh, great. Dinner
2: Plane for dinner.
3: Yes, the <laughs> kids would love, it. and that's why it was called Dinner Plane. That's y- where the coaches used to
2: stop. Y- yes, exactly. We're going um,
3: It's an amazing little place. So yeah, the kids would love
2: to see you down there. I'm sure. Good
3: on you, Rosie. Okay. T- t- travel you. safe.
2: Thanks. Bye. 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 Diane's in two J. Morning, Diane. Hey.
8: Hey Mac, it's Leanne and Toujay camping in a swag with a whole lot of her friends. Oh,
2: Leanne, <laughs> what a great thing to do! Um, is, how's your back when you wake up in the morning?
8: Ah, uh, look, uh, not too bad. We sort of roll roll out and creak up, but otherwise it's, it's it's
2: worth it. Do you have a do you have a like a blanket underneath your swag, like a, a little sponge blanket or yep. something?
8: Yeah. yeah, it comes with a beautiful little uh, inbuilt mattress and we've got a sleeping bag and a, and a blankie from home and, <laughs> yeah, we're pretty good. Just lie tight all night.
2: <laughs> so, and and you've got a long weekend in uh, WA, Leanne.
8: Yeah, that's right. So a whole lot of us um, friends have headed out to Caravan and, and Holiday Park and 2J
2: uh-huh. get out
8: of town, yeah.
2: And uh, that's uh, a nice thing to do. It's, um, what is it... Uh, Western Australia Day on Monday, is that right?
8: On Monday, tomorrow, that's correct.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Tell me your story, Leanne.
8: Yeah, so we live in Perth. We've uh, been in Australia for 10 years and uh, enjoy a bit of getting out and uh, a whole lot of friends um, are heading out as well, old Africans, and uh, really enjoying Australia. And... um, yeah, it's a very beautiful morning here, and um, very just a paradise every day in Australia. You know,
2: would you do this sort of thing uh, where you're from home, in, in in Africa? Whereabouts in Africa were you from?
8: Uh, we're from uh, KwaZulu Natal, so uh-huh. um, very limited uh, possibility to do this much of sort of outdoor is, uh, activity safety because there's safety,
2: yep. cause there's lions and tigers. Is that what you mean?
8: <laughs> yeah, human human lions and tigers too.
2: Oh yeah, right, exactly. <laughs>
8: <laughs> but yeah, um, we, yeah, it's relatively safe, and just we just love being able to do it uh, safely, with uh, no worries and not worry, not a worry in the world.
2: It's a great Australian long weekend, Leanne. <laughs> it's everybody <laughs> loves it. <laughs> so it's cool out there.
8: It's pretty cool. I'm just going to zip open my swag to have a look at what's happened in the meantime.
2: Did you see any shooting stars last night?
8: We did. We we bought a star chart with, and we went out a little bit. weird was a bit uh, darker, so we could see. So a couple of satellites and uh, managed to see Jupiter and the moon coming up. And uh, yeah, at the moment, I'm lying in my swag looking up at um, red gums, and the moon and Jupiter still out. And the tops of the gums and the leaves are just colouring from the sun.
2: Doesn't get any better, Earth. Leanne. Doesn't get any better.
8: Paradise, Maker. Paradise every day.
2: Lovely to talk to you, Leanne. <laughs> I'll bump in here sometime. Do you live in 2J or no? You live, live in Perth? In Perth. Yeah, we live in Perth. What suburb?
8: Yeah. Uh, We live in Scarborough.
2: Scarborough, right? Yeah, near the beach. Near
8: the beach, near the beach, and it's just had a massive uh, revamp which we just so thrilled about. So come on down.
2: I will. (laughs) Nice to talk to you,
4: Leanne.
8: You too, Macca. Thanks so much. See ya. Bye. Take care. Bye.
4: G'day, Maka. It's um, David from your old stomping ground of Oatley.
2: Hi, oh, g'day, David. How are you?
4: Very good, thank you. I just wanted to bring up and um, just say what a marvellous event I was involved in uh, recently, uh, celebrating the 90th anniversary for the uh, Royal Flying Doctor Service. All right, tell me. Um, I'm a member of the Antique Aircraft Association, and um, I flew a Tiger Moth with 25 other aircraft starting at Dubbo, and we stopped it or as many uh, Royal Fine Doctor bases on their way up to Concurry to reenact um, the very first flight from Concurry to Julia Creek to pick up the very first patient.
2: And that was in a, what sort of a plane was that?
4: I flew in a 1940s Tiger Moth, an open cockpit biplane. And what, <laughs> it was a, a what, long way. Uh,
2: yeah, I'll say. <laughs> um, and I suppose that's a tiring thing to do, is it?
4: It was quite tiring, but um, we, we took, uh, it took it quite easy um, for each uh, leg we did with about a uh, maximum two and a half hours of flying. And... I must say, for a city folk like myself, um, all the country places we went to, the the rapport, the turnouts from the town, we had CWA turn out and make marvellous spreads of obviously scones for breakfast, oh, uh, for lunch, it. and all it was yeah. just amazing.
2: David, um, and what was the first plane that flew up? You know, when you said the first uh, first flight, what what sort of a plane was that?
4: The first aircraft was actually a leased aircraft from Qantas, um, and it was a uh, a De Havilland aircraft, uh, much bigger than I flew, uh, but a single engine one, and it, it had the. Uh, a pilot and a, uh, Arthur Affleck and a, um, a doctor on board, and they um, uh, went with no navigation, no navigation aids at all to Julia Creek. And um, for me, flying that leg was just amazing uh, in another open cockpit aircraft. Just to see how how they navigated and, and put up with the wind and the noise, and it was pretty it was, uh, realistic.
2: Yeah, some time ago I read that book called Flying Doctor um, about the the bloke who uh, I forget his name now, but he used to fly. Um, uh, it was not it wasn't anything to do with the flying doctor as such, but Clyde Fenton
4: used Clyde to Clyde Fenton yeah, yeah. and uh, a mate of mine actually has his aircraft uh, up in um, yeah. the Valley what his name is, um, um, Mike Worthington, is Michael
2: Worthington yeah, Michael Worthington I've been up there and, and yep. met Michael yeah had a talk to Michael but
4: yeah well, you should come up to our property at Wiseman's Ferry where we have a fleet of antique aircraft there one time being in Sydney
2: oh that'd be lovely
4: David <laughs> you,
2: you're a commercial pilot are you
4: Yes, yeah, I fly with uh, Michael Worthington as well I fly the 380 for uh, Qantas quite proudly and um, I go from flying that to uh, the bigger Aircraft out in the fleet to the small tiger moth, and also it's uh, pretty pretty amazing going from very fast to very slow.
2: Yeah, and just a, a lovely experience, a lovely thing to do. Uh, uh, interestingly, this has come across my desk uh, this morning. You'd be sort of interested in this. I, you don't necessarily have to comment, but it's from Dick Smith. It's a it's a booklet that's come out with a. With a press release, and it says um, that, and and it's titled "The Destruction of General Aviation and Flight Training in Australia," and it's about, I suppose, about CASA. It's been Dick Smith's little um, hobby horse, hasn't it, for for many years uh, about um, the Australian flying training industry, how it's so expensive, and and. uh, he predicts the the demise of, uh, and I've talked to blokes who who fly around the place, and it's just so expensive. This is flying small, I suppose, tourist things, and yeah, and flying
4: stuff. small light aircraft is quite an expensive um, uh, thing to do, and there's a lot of red tape to get around along the way too. And but, um, for for a small operator, it's 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 very expensive and very difficult.
2: And yet we've got the best country in the world to fly in, and uh, the Chinese are coming here. And I think one of the things he says that um, there'll be. Um, uh, foreign pilots will fill the gaps because it's too expensive to train anyone here. Too expensive to fly. Is that?
5: Is that? Sort oh, of half I
4: can't true? really comment on that side of things, but it, it does. Uh, no, it is just so expensive, and aviation is the backbone of Australia because we've got such vast uh, distances between all our towns and all. And yeah, you know, the flying doctors have saved a lot of people all those years ago.
2: I'll say, I'll say. Dave, it sounds like it was a cathartic experience, this flight, to, uh, to where? Concurry, you went to?
4: Yeah, we went to Concurry, and we finished at Mount Isa, um, There the Royal Flying Doctor base there. So We had 25 aircraft and, then, um, and over 60 people, and, and the Flying Doctors uh, people from Canberra who supported the whole event was just amazing.
2: And three dozen scones.
4: Yeah, <laughs> put on a few kilos by the end of the trip. Good on you. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Bye.
2: Bye.